uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. couldn't explain it, but there it was, alive, in the deep, deep waters of the Amazon, a throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago, immensely strong and destructive. A woman's beauty, the bait that brought it out of its lair. See underwater thrills never photographed before. See titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before, in this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures. They dared to bring him back alive from his haunts deep in the jungles of the Amazon. They dared to put him on display with the other denizens of the deep while thousands came to marvel and wonder. You know, I, I pity him sometimes. He's so alone. The only one of his kind in the world. If anything goes wrong, you head straight for the surface, you understand? All right, let's go. They dared to study him, to probe him, to tempt him with the lure of a woman's beauty, thinking that mere chains could hold in check the primeval forces that surged and roiled within this strange being from the dawn of time. Hey, look! He broke the chain! walks among us, more terrifying in human form. Striking at the heart of the city with inhuman fury. The creature walks among us, horror unleashed by the daring of man and a dangerous experiment of science. I have burned away the outer scale. There's a structure of human skin underneath it. The creature walks among us, 
the grimmest cargo ever brought to civilization. Now a monster made even more frightful by human emotion. Plus Merle Oberon, Lex Barker in The Price of Fear. Two great thrill pictures on one program. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. On this episode, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite creatures, the creature from the Black Lagoon. We're going to be talking about all three films uh, in the trilogy. And so, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Bob, what's the second film? Revenge of the Creature. And Karen, the third? Creature Walks Among Us. And there we go. We're going to keep it up at the satellite with Karen. Karen, when and how did you come across... The Creature from the Black Lagoon, was it the actual film? Was it a comic book? Was it a model? Uh, please, share with us. Well, I don't know. In some ways, it seems like the creature has been a part of my life forever. <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure it must have been on TV, probably when I was watching uh, uh, Seymour on KTOA back in the mm. uh, years ago. Uh, you know, he hosted uh, horror movies on uh, the L.A. station, and uh, there were a lot of universal films, and I'm sure that's probably the first place I saw the creature. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, it just seems like the creature's always been around, but that design. Do, do you remember, was it the first creature movie, or was it the Revenge of the Creature? Or? It's time. You know, it's uh, certainly, you know, you can look at the creature and think of it as like the precursor of like Predator or Alien, that full figure kind of um, suit that just looks so, you know, perfect or seamless even today. It's like just amazing to me. So um, yeah, I'm pretty sure TV was uh, my my route to the creature. And, uh, you know, then after that, it would be like toys and other stuff, but uh, yeah. that was it for me. Would you remember, was it the first movie or the second movie that, that you saw? Or? Larry, I'm not really sure. You know? uh-huh. But uh, I would consider the first one to be the best, obviously. Ooh, this is going to be a good discussion then. Uh, Bob, uh, take it away. Well, I think I should just pre-record this answer, <laughs> which is the answer to many, many questions of that type. But... Yeah, the uh, first time I saw it was on Creature Features with Bob Wilkins Yay. on KTVU in the San Francisco Bay Area. <laughs> um, Creature Features had the Universal Library, so he had all three Creature films. And I think it was shortly after that. I used to go to a friend's house back when I was a kid, and we would build Aurora monster models. There were houses back then? I thought there were huts. <laughs> well, yeah, they were. Yeah. Just, just kidding. <laughs> adobe. They're made out of adobe and mud and, yeah. Um yeah, we'd, we'd build the Aurora monster kits. And, when, of course, they the, had the Creature from the Black Lagoon. What Was and, it the glow-in-the-dark, like the clear plastic ones, or was it the ones where you'd paint up? And, well, I mean, the, the all-clear plastic ones, that was like when Polar Lights took over. Oh, oh This is okay. like the original Auroras. Way and Aurora had, like, it was just, you know, green plastic. Mm. But then they had, like, versions with, like, 
where like the head, the hands, and the feet all glowed in the dark. Oh, okay. Cool. The rest didn't. So I don't know why, but <laughs> they do the same with uh, Frankenstein and the mummy and Godzilla and everything else. But, um, but yeah, I think that was obviously my first creature collectible mm. that would lead to a lifetime of the creature. But yeah, I mean, outside of <laughs> Japan, that's definitely my favorite monster of of all time suit or otherwise suit or otherwise yeah i mean that suit right is so for its time is so realistic wow i mean the mouth movement i mean the mouth opens and you can see like the fishy the gills. gums in there yeah. the gills had bladders so they could like you know squeeze a ball and it would the fins would come or the gills would come out mm. and uh yeah, I mean, it was like a great, great monster suit. And, you yeah, know, keep in mind, this is Universal. So before that, they were doing mostly makeup. Right. You know, it was Jack Pierce makeup. And then Bud Westmore came in and Millicent Patrick, we'll talk about that later. But yeah. it became, you know, it became a, a suit. And, yeah, it was a complete head to toe, fingertip to fingertip suit. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Very iconic. I, I remember as a kid with my older cousins watching Creature Features, and it was the Revenge of the Creature. And um, we had just gone to, like, Marine World a week or two before. (laughs) So I was like, oh, my God, you know, they all have dolphins, they all have penguins. Where was our creature, you know? And my mother had to explain, no, you know, honey, this is a movie, it's not real, and and et cetera, et cetera. But... um, I just, you know, I, I love obviously Frankenstein, the Wolfman, Dracula, all those universal classic films. But the creature for me just kind of, I don't know, it just stuck out. Um, maybe it was the suit. Maybe it was the uh, the underwater aspect of it. Or maybe it was the Marine World connection. But, um, yeah, I fell in love with it and been in love with it ever since. Um my first collectible was a creature from the Black Lagoon, like... Um, it was like a uh, hand puppet, you know. Yeah. And I had like a Frankenstein one, but wow. I had the. You know, I don't think I've ever seen that. Really? I've seen a marionette, but I haven't seen a hand puppet. No, it was like a hand puppet. So uh, I don't have it anymore, but um, anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the suit, I think the most amazing thing about the suit is the fact that Rico Browning, who was basically the creature in the underwater scenes in the first film, they had no tanks or anything in that suit. He just would hold his breath and down he'd go and swim around in that thing. And it probably, you know, back then it was probably a rubber suit, probably weighed, you know, 100, 150 pounds. Yeah. Of course, it's lighter underwater, but still, it's, it can't be that easy to... Because you look at the the scenes underwater and the I'm way he swims you. through mm-hmm. all the seaweed and the rocks and, mm-hmm. you know, swims underneath uh, Julie Adams and all that. It's amazing. Now, Revenge of the Creature, they put a tank in there. Mm-hmm. And you can even see, like, bubbles coming out of the top, the top of his head, of head in some yeah. scenes. Right. But uh, So he was able to... I think they had to because he had so many scenes down in that tank. Mm-hmm. Um, extended scenes. But, yeah, I mean, the Rico Browning, the first movie, he just... Yeah. So that, Navy that was, SEAL, down he went. You know? That was the actor in the water scenes. What was the name of the actor in the... Ben Chapman was on the land. On the land. And it's funny because they would always argue over stills and who's in the suit in this still. (laughs) And Ben Chapman was taller 
and wider than Rico Browning. Mm. So if you don't want to count the segments in the legs, um, <laughs> the chest plate, the one underwater with Rico Browning, mm-hmm. the two halves of the chest touch in the middle. The, the land scenes with Ben Chapman, there's like a little a six inch plate that goes in between the two sides. Mm. Yeah, because he had, they had to make it wider for him. That's how you can tell. And so that's difference. how you can tell who's who in the. So if you see that little kind of extra piece in the center, that would be the Ben Chapman suit, and the other would be Rico Browning. And they went on to do Flipper. No, they did Flipper, and Rico Browning did all the underwater scenes in Thunderball. Really? Yeah. Oh, so. I'm telling you, listeners, edumacation. That's what we're all about here at Planet Eight. Uh, but back to the creature. <laughs> the creature. Um, Karen, as far as the three film films go, uh, you kind of piqued my interest because you were saying the original is uh, your favorite of the three. Um, my favorite is Revenge, and maybe it's that Marine World connection. I love them all, don't get me wrong. But I, I would go two, one, and three as my favorite creature films. What, what would you say, Karen? And then we'll kick it over to Bob. Uh, well, I think it's sort of diminishing returns as you go along. <clears throat> I, I like the, the original the best. Uh-huh. Um, but I think part of that is just the combination of uh, the story in the first one, which really was interesting. I was listening to um, Tom Weaver's commentary on the uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon Blu-ray and uh, he points out that they basically lifted the story from King Kong, which I had never thought about before, but it's, it's really true. It's sort of like, you know, they go in this exotic place, the creature is there, you know, monster, whatever, falls for the, the beautiful girl and then tries to take off with her. And uh, it was like, oh, yeah, this is very familiar, isn't it? But, yeah, I think the first story is really good. There's a lot of mystery and suspense in the story. And I think Julie Adams is really um, pivotal to the story. I think she's a much better actress than the later actresses um, in the other movies. And I think some of the actors they have in the first one are just more interesting. Um, The second one I enjoy. Um, There's some really good scenes. Of course, there's some great scenes with the creature throwing people around and stuff. So it's it's action-packed. The third one is just sort of depressing, (laughs) Um, where he's... You know, he's all burned, and then he turns into this sort of huge hulking creature, and there's all these, like, horrible things going on with the people in the, the movie, so I don't enjoy that one as much. Yeah, I did. Um, how did he gain so much height and muscle yeah, after the burn? Yeah, he kind of out. He so, does. Well, I got burned, and then I just Swollen. started roids or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, they pumped him with steroids to help him. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they're all... I, I'll all of them, but I watch uh, Creature Walks Among Us a lot less than the first two. Mm. Mr. Bob. Obviously, the first one is definitely the best. Um, but I, I don't know. Creature Walks Among Us holds kind of a special place for me because they could have done just another Creature movie where they just capture him again and take him somewhere or whatever, or maybe he's back in the Amazon, they go back to find him again. But taking him and changing him the way they did and then putting him into the human world 
And basically, I mean, some of the characters in that movie are worse than he is. Yeah. You actually feel sympathetic towards the creature. And he's just caught in this world. And here's like, you know, all these humans that are fighting and arguing and whatever. And again, and he's also, he wants to go back to the ocean. He wants to go back to the water, but he doesn't have his gills anymore. He has lungs. So, you know, that's the death of him, basically, if he does. He's mm-hmm. going to drown and if he goes in the water. So um, I, thought, I thought it was cool. I think it was a cool design, too, of what he looked like under all the scales. And uh, Why did they beef him up so much, do you know? It was just a baggy suit. <laughs> <laughs> well. Padded suit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but no, I mean, he was supposed to be taller than... Even in the first movie, they mentioned that he was taller. But, yeah, he definitely got bulkier, but... Now, let me ask you guys this. Was it the same creature throughout all three films? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he got shot up a lot between the first and second one. Well, the first one, didn't he, he was, like, swimming... He got shot or whatever, but he was swimming back into the... The second one, they showed him just floating there. Like, floating that there, was yeah. It. But... Um, yeah, I think it was always He could have been, like, knocked out, and then he just, like, comes to and does his thing, but... It would have been interesting to have, like, a pod of creatures from the Black Lagoon, you know. Well, didn't uh, they touch on that in Shape of Water? That was kind of like... Well, yeah, that... That was Del Toro's homage to the creature, and it was a whole race of these creatures, you know, including Sally Hawkins, so... It would have been, yeah, yeah. Spoiler no, alert. <laughs> and that was a good movie. But it would have been cool in the third one. I, I hear what you're saying about The Creature Walks Among Us, but I don't know. It just, um, it, it was more like a Frankenstein than than me uh, or than a. Yeah. Well, see, I love like all the old AIP movies and mm-hmm. stuff in that era. And I almost felt like one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. You know, like, uh, and just the whole atmosphere and the, you know, the 50s vibe and all that is. I just I love those old black and white movies and those old you know like I say the AIP movies and yeah. the black and white universals and you know Monster on Campus whatever and yeah that pretty much fits in that mold. Well, let, let's get into the first film. Um, I don't know if you were with Kieran and I, uh, Monster Palooza, and they showed the 3D version um, one night and they brought out a special screen and correct me if I'm wrong, Kieran, but wasn't it treated with like silver filaments or something like that? Hmm. I don't. I, I could have swore. Don't remember? See, that. I wasn't there. But did they do the red and blue lenses? No, or? it was no. Yeah. Uh, the gray lenses. And the guy was right. like, the screen had a special treatment of maybe it was Ooh. aluminum, maybe it wasn't silver. But oh, I that, thought we did wear the red and blue glasses for that. No, I I think they were gray. But then again, how many years ago was it? Is it? Well, remember the picture we took with the popcorn bag? I was thinking <laughs> red and blue lenses. Oh, I have to well. go back and look. Post that one. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll, I'll say, you know, and I've said this for since it came out, the universal Blu-ray of Creature from the Black Lagoon, whether you buy it on the, the single set or the big set or whatever, the 3D version of that, if you have a 3D TV, is amazing. Mm. And that's probably the best 3D I've seen on a television or on a monitor, whatever you want to call it, um, of any, even of modern 3D movies. Even Pandora, or not Pandora, uh, it's the planet Pandora, and the movie is called James oh, Cameron. Yeah. Oh, Avatar? Avatar. Avatar, even better than Avatar. Avatar stinks. No, the 3D uh, effect, the, not Whatever. the movie itself. 
It still stinks. <laughs> no, I would put I would create. I would well, put thank every, you for that non-biased <laughs> opinion. <laughs> I ain't here to sugarcoat things. Um, no, I mean, I would put any aspect of Creature from the Black Lagoon up above Avatar anytime. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we were talking about the 3D effect, but... Well, see, 3D these days, they don't do the coming at you. It's mostly depth. Mm-hmm. Whereas 3D back there, like the creature, when they find his claw in the rock and they zoom in, it yeah. comes right out into your living room. Yeah. They don't do that And the, the little dart gun underwater, too, came at you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, swimming with the spears and whatever. Yeah. But, uh, no, they had things that, you know, like... It came from outer space, and the meteor comes flying out of the screen at you, or, or House of Wax, where the guy's doing the paddle ball at the beginning, and the ball's like jumping out of the screen. Right. Um, that's what 3D is all about. Well, listeners, I, I can tell you right now, we're not going to be doing a podcast on Avatar anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> the new movies are coming out. I'll sit those episodes out. But um, yeah, no, I mean, like I say, the 3D. There's two 3D movies. That are out on Blu-ray that mm. I think look the best, and that would be Creature from Black Lagoon, and then the 3D conversion of Jurassic Park looks amazing. Really? Yeah, definitely. I've heard Wizard of Oz looks really good too, but I haven't seen it in the 3D. But um, but no, I mean Creature was shot in 3D. It was made for 3D, and it that was back when it was enough of a gimmick that things would come jumping out of the screen at you, and even the depth, you know, when they're riding the the boat back to the um, Back to the Institute, just the depth of you know, the, the mountains in the background and the boat in the foreground and all that. Yeah. It's an amazing 3D presentation. Yeah. Well, yeah. So if you guys have access to that, uh, let us know what you think. Um, it, it kind of uh, didn't dawn on me, but I'm thinking about this. Uh, the beginning of the creature is similar to the mummy, Universal's mummy. Mm-hmm. Right, the creature comes in there. The guy's in the tent doing whatever, and then the creature shows itself, kind of like in the the mummy film. What do you guys oh, yeah. think? No, definitely very, very similar. But uh, well, I, but it's I a cool reveal that. as well because they just reveal the the claw coming up out of the water and scratching the surface, and then yeah. you see like shadows and things, and then finally it comes. And even when it comes into the tent, you don't really see it. You mostly see the actor screaming. But, uh, yeah, it was it was good. I like it. What do you think, Karen? I was just going to say that I, I one interesting part about that scene where the creature goes into the tent is he, he roars, and it's a really bizarre sound, like a, a truck horn or a... Uh, like a weird combination of sounds, but I don't think they actually have him make that sound anywhere else in the film, as far as I can remember. But it's it's uh, really loud and uh, you know startling. And I was kind of like, why didn't they why didn't they reuse that? Because it's I mean it's effective. Uh-huh. Um, whereas they use the the creature's dun, 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 the three note right. cue over and over and over again. <laughs> You know, so there, it wasn't like they were opposed to you, you know, hitting people over the head with things. Um, but that roar was really, really cool. Yeah, I wonder what they, uh, what different sounds they use to compromise that. You know, you sometimes you'll watch commentaries like, oh yeah, we used, you know, a seal, a bear, and a tiger to make you know, the sound for a dinosaur. And it's like, oh okay, well, 
that that explains it. But yeah, no, yeah. it's definitely it's definitely unique. That's for sure. Yeah, and you know everybody knows uh, Clint Eastwood got his uh, start in Creature from the Black Lagoon. When he played Revenge a, of the Creature, he plays the well, lab Revenge assistant. of the Creature. He played a what? The lab assistant. The, that's right. That's right. He had that the finds uh, the mouse in his pocket or lab coat. Right. <laughs> a very young Clint Eastwood. But that was actually his second. Second. second what was one, his right? first? The tarantula was first. Ah. <gasps> He played That's one of the pilots. Right. His mouth, his face was covered halfway by the mask and the jet, but yeah. he was in trance on then, yeah, and then he had a actual screen time in Creature. Now, was Creature, Revenge of the Creature, was that before or after Rawhide? I want to say after. So, so he was already established in Rawhide. No, before maybe him. before. Well, it was. Well, when was Rawhide? 1955, so when was Rawhide? Let's, let's see. Consult the Oracle of Knowledge. Because <laughs> he played, well, Rowdy Yates in, uh, in Rawhide. And he was supposed to be a big star and wasn't, oh. and then ended up going to Italy and making spaghetti westerns and coming back. Rawhide was four years later. Oh, okay. Mm. So, yeah, so this would have been one of his first acting gigs then. With a speaking role? He talked? Um, so let me ask you guys this. If there was to be a fourth film, because, you know, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman, Dracula versus Billy the Kid, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where would you have taken the creature in a fourth film? Uh, let's kick it over to Bob and then we'll go up to Karen. Well, that's a tough one because uh, Creature Walks Among Us, he's basically swimming down into the ocean and you figure he's going to drown. If they can bring Godzilla back? Yeah. There's been, there were two. But, (laughs) no, he, uh, and again, you know, I do a sequel, it's like, okay, is he still without his scales and is he still, you know, like Creature Walks Among Us? Uh, Yeah. Or do we go the Shape of Water route? (laughs) That's technically the fourth movie, right? That's technically the fourth movie. If you really want to stretch it. Well, if if Bob were to make a fourth movie, what would Bob do? No no dragon car. <laughs> well, you could irradiate him and bring him back as a giant. <laughs> that would be interesting. Have him. Would you have him the cle- the classic creature suit or would you have it the creature walk among us? No, giant? he'd be a creature walks among us suit, although he'd break out all that material. Mm. Although I guess it's always the pants that stretch, right? Like the Hulk and everything else. He'd still have some ripped up pants or well, something. Well, it would have to be gamma because gamma affects denim in a certain way. Gamma radiation. So. Is that how it worked? Yeah. If it was cotton, it just would have got blown off like the Colossus. But that only works with like purple denim, right? has to be purple. Okay. That's right. Wouldn't work with green. Walker. Uh, Karen. Well... I think I would start with an entirely new creature. Hmm. Like there would be a second creature. Like Godzilla. There was two. So maybe maybe there would be more than one. Maybe there would be a male and female creature. Um, you know, they had been talking about, in one of the movies, actually having a female creature. Hmm. And they were going to go back to one of the original designs that they had for the creature, which was... Um, very different in appearance. It was much smoother, not as scaly. Hmm. 
And they had thought, oh, we might be able to reuse this and just make a female creature. And so maybe that would be part of the movie. There would, maybe there would be a male and female creature. Maybe the female would get, it would be so stereotypical 50s, right? The female could get <laughs> captured by humans and then the male would go. Have to go rescue her. Bride of the creature. Yeah. There you oh, go. Bride of the creature. There you go. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, you know, I would have had one of the actresses from the first or second film in a hospital, in a delivery room, giving birth to a hybrid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know... You're thinking of the, the sequel to Shape of Water. <laughs> and they would have had to have figured out, you know... What how to do with happened? the? No, they knew how it happened. <laughs> how are they going to raise this creature feature? Creature. It's creature man. <laughs> creature kid. <laughs> wow. So that kind of brought the whole conversation to a halt. <laughs> um, Commander Larry frequently does that. <laughs> Well, what about, let's talk about some of the <clears throat> the iconic things about the creature. Because one of the things that I always think of with the creature is the sequence from the first film where Julie Adams, well, Julie Adams and her stunt double hmm. um, are, are swimming in the lagoon. Don't wreck the illusion. Then, Wait, there are, two Ju- there are two Julie Adams? <laughs> so the underwater part, of course, was filmed in Florida and her stunt double, whose name is Ginger Stanley, was doing the underwater parts. And then she was, of course, back at the Universal lot swimming on top of the lagoon. Um, but that beautiful sequence where the creature swims underneath her and mirrors her movements and follows her and then kind of tentatively touches her. I mean, this is sort of like... You know, oh God, we're going to start talking about Shape of Water again. But this is like a very sort of mysterious and pseudo-romantic kind of sequence. And the music is really pivotal to it as well. But it, it's amazing, like Bob was saying before, that, you know, Rico Browning could swim so well in that suit to, you know, swim directly under her and copy her. And the way they filmed it was so beautiful. Um, it's just a very memorable sequence. It is. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that Guillermo was speaking to when he wanted to do the uh, Shape of Water. What was that love that the creature had for for the woman? Well, um, he had wanted to do Creature from the Black Lagoon like forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, Universal like, just started <clears throat> and stopped and started and stopped and he finally got fed up and... Yeah, he just did his own version, yeah. basically. And The Shape of Water. I mean, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a very beautiful love story. It won the Oscar, right? It won, won the Best Academy Picture, Award, yeah. So <clears throat> that speaks volumes. But yeah, in the original sequence, uh, Karen, I agree. It, it just was a beautiful um, scene, uh, you know. And, and that was pre-CGI, so you make a good point. Th- there was no computer... Uh, this or that and also there was no tank in that suit like in the second film (laughs) so this was all done you know as as we see it right right he had air hoses that he could swim to but Mm -hmm. he's holding his breast you know for a good long period of time what's that thing that um, uh, 
divers you got to worry about uh, you got not the enough bends? Air. yeah the bends the bends I think that's mostly depth if you go too far yeah. down. But oh, oh, okay. You go you too far down, then you come up too quick, and then you get the bends. And, like, the other thing was, uh, you know, he didn't have very good vision in that suit either. So a lot of times, you know, so he's working with this heavy suit. He can't see what he's doing. <laughs> but, it, you know, they made it look fantastic. You make a good point. And underwater, there's no direction. You can't hear. You know, before the scene is, is done, I can only assume the director was like, you're going to do this and do that and, you know, try to touch her and whatever. It, would he see out of the creature's eyes and the mask or were there different, like, slits for him to look out of? Do you guys know? I don't know. I would assume he would have to have some kind of goggles on or something underneath and then he probably just, just looking through slits, basically, in the eyes. Well, well um... I listened to the commentary and they said that they had tried a couple of times to put, they even tried to put a, uh, like a complete face mask and that made too much of a bulge and he tried goggles, but that was uncomfortable. So they had a couple of different eyes that they could pop into the mask, but um, he said that no matter which eyes they put in, they either... If they put in, there was a certain eyes they put in that were really wide, but then he said it let a lot of water in, so his vision was blurry. And then if they put in these other eyes, it was like looking through kind of like keyholes. So no matter what he did, his vision was obscured. So he just had to kind of get a bearing on where he was going to go and then just go for it. And then he said if he just ran out of air, he would just go limp. And that was a signal to one of his safety guys to come over and bring him an air hose mm. to get air. So they would just film as much as they could until he couldn't function anymore. That's amazing. Well, he was, uh, was he a Navy SEAL or he was a... I don't know that he was a Navy what was SEAL. His background? I think he was Olympics for uh, I think it was, yeah. A, yeah. Um... But yeah, and, and so that's why he could hold his breath for so long. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was that was amazing. Still holds up today. Well, it does. I think it's you know it's a big credit to that suit that it was just. Like they could have made you know a suit that looked like you know, it terror from beyond space no. or you know something like that or you know one of the Paul Blaisdell <laughs> monsters, which I love. I love Paul Blaisdell, but. <laughs> This was just so far above those. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and I even think, you know, if you look at the creature, the revenge of the creature, the suit is definitely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't look as good as yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, no matter what you think about the movie. <laughs> yeah, no. The no. suit is a definite... De- even the eyes look really kind of bizarre, but... Um, but that first creature suit, yeah, that was that was spot on. Yeah, the eyes in the Revenge of the Creature have sort of that bulging ping pong ball look. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't seen the film for so long. Like teenagers from space. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all the lack of oxygen. The eyes started bulging out. Um, or a yeah. thyroid condition. <laughs> I have to go back and watch that movie again. Maybe it won't be my first pick after all. <laughs> <laughs> it's got it's got its moments. I got, I will say it's 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 quite good. Well, he jumps I love out I of love the, the scene where he like grabs the actress and like runs out of the bar and dives off the pier and 
<laughs> dive bar? Dive bar, yeah. <laughs> I like when he jumps out of the tank and just pushes over a car and, mm-hmm. you know, swinging at people left and right. Uh, it's like, why'd you bring me here? Well, well even, even when they... Where he grabs the guy and throws him into the tree, but he, he, there's that weird arc yeah, yeah. He goes flying. You can tell he's on a, a wire, but it's, it's still cool because you can just say, well, the creature throws people differently. Yeah. <laughs> now, have you ever noticed in Creature from the Black Lagoon, in the original, when they're down in his lair and in the background, you can see like Roman columns and like a... Like a uh, Sunken City or something in the background. Oh, no, really? I, yeah. I never noticed that. They shot it on the set of another movie, and it was like, huh. and that's what it was. It was like a sunken city and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they used camera angles to kind of avoid it, but it peeks into a few scenes. Did you so notice you, that, Karen? No, I didn't catch that. Yeah, just oh. take a look at the scenes where he's in his lair, and uh, he's got Julie Adams down there. Mm. And uh, if you look in the background between the rocks and crags and things, you can see some. So they didn't mean for it to. to show I don't up think on they meant film, for it. Well, either they, that or they just thought, thought it looked cool and mm. it was some unanswered mystery or whatever. But yeah, it was more than just an underwater cave. There Creature was more from to Atlantis. Maybe. <laughs> so we were talking earlier, Bob. You kind of alluded to Millicent Patrick and some of the other people right. who worked on the creature. Well, Millicent Patrick basically designed the creature. And worked on the suit. Was, I know. Was Bud she we- contracted to do that, or how, yeah. how did that come about? Well, Bud Westmore was basically when he'd go on the publicity tours, taking like the credit for everything. But yeah, you know, she had done it. In fact, there's a book out now called "The Lady from the Black Lagoon" that talks all about Millicent Patrick, and she was sort of one of the unsung heroes of Hollywood back in the day. Because I mean, back then, you know, it was a man's industry. Was this her first picture, or had she worked on television or other motion pictures? I haven't read the book yet. I'm not Mm. totally up on the history of Millicent Patrick, but Um, um, but basically you would see pictures of her. You know, like there's one iconic picture where she's holding the creature mask, and you'd see that in books and magazines, and everybody would be like, "Who is that? And what's that all about?" And and yeah, so now her story has finally come out, and uh, hopefully we'll get into that book in another episode, but. I do know that she had been a Disney animator um, prior to working on Creature, but I don't know much else about mm-hmm. her. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Uh, do know. you guys, do you know how many suits they made? Was it just the one suit for above water and one below water? Or? I think it was the same suit and it was just modified. Oh. Before, because that's why they had to add that extra chess piece uh, oh, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Chapman. But back then, I don't think they had the budget to do multiple suits and whatever. So, yeah, and I think it was Jack Keevan who was a Westmore's assistant who really ran all the uh, the foam and everything to to put the suit together and did this, most of the sculpting for that. I wonder where that suit is now. It's it's gone. It's that deteriorated. Is brittle and it disintegrates easily and it's gone the molds are gone too well Bob Burns has a suit on a mannequin that was pulled off the original mold hmm and I think that's the only one that exists although you see things on eBay and stuff where they have resin busts that were supposedly pulled off the original mold and things right. you know, I bought one for uh, 
we did a creature show at the Castro Theater and we showed all three movies and we had Ben Chapman there and, and Julie Adams and uh, I had bought this creature bust had my friend Kevin paint it up just so I could have them sign it mm. and then years later I got Rico Browning to sign it so I have all, all three signatures on there nice but um, again they said I was pulled off the original mold it looks really good but was it I, who knows didn't yeah. Sideshow come out with a life size bust uh, there was one company yes. that came out with a a large creature and then a bust of Creature Walks Among Us both of which were sculpted by Steve Wang mm. Steve did the original Predator mask and he's yeah. been in Hollywood for years but yeah he did both of those they look you know excellent but Sideshow I don't I know they did the yeah, swimming creature but. I have the Sideshow bust it's ah. a life size ah, bust ah okay how, I'm not sure who sculpted it though how's that look oh it looks fabulous it looks like like the creature it it's exactly like the creature I mean it looks great nice will um, we be posting pictures on the blog we, we should we should uh, I will see if I have a picture right now it's in a box oh no oh man <laughs> we'll ship it right up here <laughs> What kind or what collectible creature item? Uh, I know Bob, you have many, and Karen, but what is one of your favorite creature collectibles? Should I go first? Uh, sure. The Bally creature from the Black Lagoon pinball machine. Ooh. I uh, I sold my previous house, and I had a little bit of money to play with. I told my daughter I was going to do something really stupid with money before I put some in an account or whatever and do something sensible. So I went out and bought the Creature from the Black Lagoon pinball machine. I still play it all the time. Nice. So that's definitely, you know, I've got the sideshow, the swimming creature. I've got the bust signed by all the actors I talked about. And, um, yeah, I'm a whole creature corner down in the basement. But um, obviously the centerpiece of that whole creature corner is the pinball machine mm. nice Karen well I've mentioned it a zillion times already the the sideshow the premium format swimming creature so that's still my favorite so is that better than the bust yeah I like it better than the bust because really? I, I like the fact that it's you know the creature uh, full figure sort of in its habitat I don't know and just to me it's it's more interesting than just a bust hmm um Larry? I have to think uh, the old Soki toy <laughs> I wish I had it I have that oh you do yeah oh that's right down in your collection I found a really one in really good shape too I lose track of all of Bob's creature collectibles. He, he the the corner expands every couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with the the glass. I can't remember the name of the company, um, but it, it was a creature from the Black Lagoon glass, and it, they had Frankenstein, the Mummy, and I want to say the Wolfman. Um, but that is my favorite creature collectible. It's funny, Karen. I have that sideshow. All three of us have that sideshow swimming creature. And at one point in time, I think I talked about this, I was going to liquidate uh, said creature. And Karen was like, oh, but it's so beautiful. And I looked at it, you know, and I put on like a little uh, swivel thing. It is a very iconic representation of the creature from the Black Lagoon. 
the, the so way that he's I, swimming. I'm and thinking the, out of the three sideshow creatures we have, none of us has the uh, silver screen black and white version. No, no, all I, color, I, I, all I didn't get versions, into all that. Okay. Yeah, I got the little sideshow where he's carrying uh, Julie Adams, uh-huh. and they have the stalactites yeah, or stalagmites. Well, well uh, whatever. There's mites and tights. One is one goes down, <laughs> and one goes up. But. Um, I have, yeah. Karen has that one too. Um, Karen, you have a cool snow globe too. I'm kind of jealous of. I have two snow globes. Oh, um, I've only seen the one. Yeah, they're yeah they're nice. Yeah. And I have a lot of you know eight inch figures and some four inch. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick just one, it's that premium format. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, even like Super Seven just came out with the, the Halloween bucket and the T-shirt and the. Right. I bought the jacket, that was really nice. Um, and then they've done some other small figures and things. Yeah, the small um, figures, the the packagings are really cool on them. I have my creature from the Black Lagoon tattoo on my arm, <laughs> drawn by Matt Frank. And that's not your number one collectible. <laughs> The, the tattoo? Yeah, no, it's, it's no, part no. of you. <laughs> it never leaves my side. You know who draws a really good creature is Art Adams. Well, Art Adams draws a lot of really good stuff, period. Whether he's doing Godzilla or the creature or mm. whatever, it's like some amazing stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. did he do the creature for like a, uh, a collectible... Uh, collector set or a poster or what what was it he's he's drawn it i've just seen it a lot of times at conventions he has prints available of the creature i mean he does yeah he does a lot of godzilla as well um but i've seen uh, creature prints that he's had and then uh another really great drawing of the creature was by the late Dave Cockrum, who used to do both Legion of Superheroes and X-Men. Oh, yeah. And, uh, if you go, if you just, like, Google Dave Cockrum and Creature from the Black Lagoon, you'll find he drew this really powerful-looking creature. Uh, it's a shame that he didn't get to, to do, like, a series or at least a story with it. Cause well, there's did, also the uh, classic creature painting bust from the cover of Famous Monsters by Basil yeah. Gogos. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I have the, I have the T-shirt of that. Yeah, I have, t- I have the T-shirt that I got from him, which does not have the famous monsters right. logo it's on it. It's just the yeah. picture. So, yeah, no, there's been a lot of a lot of cool art, and even you know, I follow like hashtag Creature from the Black Lagoon on Instagram, and you know, fan art and and other art just pops up all the time, and some of it is just amazing. Yeah, it is. Speaking of um, art and collectibles, um, it is that part of our show where we have our censor sweep. And uh, this episode's censor sweep is going to be shared, or Karen is going to share with us one of her items. So I wanted to tell everybody about a book. It's been out for a little while now, but it's still... uh still worth talking about because of our subject matter today. So this is a book from McFarlane Press. If people have heard of McFarlane, you know, they they put out a lot of interesting genre-related stuff. This is called The Creature Chronicles, Exploring the Black Lagoon Trilogy. This is by Tom Weaver, 
um, along with our friend Dave she David Schechter, a friend of the show who came on and talked to us about soundtracks, and also Steve Cronenberg. So this is a really cool book that covers not only all three of the films, but they talk about the music in the films. Um, they talk about also some of the other films that had uh, aquatic monsters, some of the movies that didn't get made, like uh, John Landis and Rick Baker were going to make a do a remake of Creature from the Black Lagoon that never got made. Um, so it's just a, a lot of uh, great tidbits on the films, great photographs, hmm. interviews and things. Um, so if you're into the creature the way we are, um, it's definitely uh, a worthwhile purchase and you can find it on Amazon or you could go to McFarlane and, and get it there. A nice, big, hardback book. So again, Creature Chronicles, we'll put it up on the website and uh, it would be a great addition to your creature collection. Cool. Uh, let me ask you guys this in closing out this podcast. Um, Guillermo's uh, um, Shape of Water uh, won an Academy Award. Great film. Why do you guys think that Universal just can't get that Creature from the Black Lagoon movie made. Karen alluded to John Landis and Rick Baker trying to do... I mean, it's been out there forever. They've been trying to remake this thing, right? Well, they've been trying to do their dark universe or whatever for how long now? I mean, right, It's right. like every time they do a mummy or a wolfman or whatever, it just doesn't go anywhere. Right, but that aside, I mean, do you, do you think it's just that lack of interest by the executives or... Uh, not a yeah. good. I mean, John Landis and Rick Baker at the time they were trying mm -hmm. to make this film were big names. Yeah, and they couldn't get it made. Guillermo, you know, and, and now it won an Academy Award for a creature-like movie. Why? I'm surprised Universal hasn't announced it again. I mean, with Shape of yeah. Water being such a success, you'd think they'd yeah. jump on that in a second. But right? I get don't know. Well, they already kind of made it now. What's that, Karen? <laughs> It's already been done now because yeah. Guillermo basically, basically did it. So, you know. <laughs> True. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. Sleep.